I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. I'm so excited. And we're excited because this is our friend. She's so beloved by so many people because she's been on our screens for so many years. And we love her. We are privileged to have our wonderful, wonderful, dear friend, Marilyn Dennis, with us on this podcast. Yay! We just never stop gabbing when we're together. But I thought to give some kind of sense of this, I really think at the stage where you are now, it would be great. Let's start at the beginning, like an autobiography. Tell us where you were born. Okay, Edmonton, Alberta, 1958, July 1st, Canadian baby. Canada Day. Canada Day. My dad and my mom are from Canada. My dad from Alberta, my mom from Ontario. And I was the third child. And so they knew they were moving down to Pittsburgh because my dad was furthering his education to King University in Pittsburgh. But they wanted to make sure that I was Canadian. So before they moved, they had me in Edmonton because they wanted that Canadian, you know, a baby. And then four weeks later, we moved to Pittsburgh. So I consider myself a Pittsburgh Steeler fan and Pittsburgher because I was brought up there since, you know, four weeks to 18. You know, the first half of my life was very U.S. and the second half and then more than my second half is Canadian. So I was brought up in Pittsburgh, went to University of Idaho to study communications and television and all that sort of thing, got into radio, then moved up to Calgary because that's where my parents moved from Pittsburgh to Calgary, got you know, a lot of radio and television experience, stayed there for five and a half years, moved to Toronto where I met the Roger Ashby and Rick Hodge and the show became Roger, Rick and Marilyn. Famous show, famous. I love that show so much. I had so much fun. And now I'm in my 37th year doing the morning show at Chump. That's incredible. And in between there, I did a show called City Line, 18 month break, came back for the Marilyn Dennis show, 13 seasons of that. You two were very important in those uh in those episodes in those years yeah i've known you since the city line days which is yeah God, decades tommy did you know marilyn on city line no i was never on city line with mayor i actually came on to the marilyn dennis show at bell media i believe it was in season three with sarah richardson who i used to work with uh through hgtv and also in a private design practice and i remember marilyn saying you know you should come on on your own. You know, like we'll still have Sarah on and we'll have you on together, but you can come on on, on your own. So I did a couple of appearances with Mayor Just Me. And through that introduction, which was really through the show, we became very close friends off camera. We were both single at the time for a while. We were each other's Valentine's dates for a few years. My gosh, there was one Valentine's dinner that lasted for five and a half hours. <laughs> that is true. That's a true story. It was a good one. Five and a half hours and more than five and a half drinks. Yes. <laughs> Therapy session. <laughs> so my first impression of Marilyn, I mean, I'd been on City Line, you know, a few times. It's all glam and everybody's dressed up and your hair and your makeup's done. But then a little while later, I was on a book tour and you go to radio stations. And I, I walked in. I think you had a broken foot or something at the time and you had your pajamas on. And I was like... This is the coolest woman in the world. My hair gets <laughs> stuck up. I think you had a pencil through your hair. You had your jammies on. And, and I think you had a broken something. I think you had something. I had a boot on because I, my, my bunion was being fixed. Oh, wait, wait. I think it was before that. 
I've had both feet, so you might oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I just remember going, oh, my God, this is so cool. And and you were interviewing all these famous rock stars and stuff, and, and I walked out there going, I like her. I really like You just did not care, you know. And then you went from that into the television show and all the bells and whistles and stuff, you know, like a few hours later. But it was uh, it was so cool. And then we became friends. I mean, we knew each other and we we went out and we went to award nights and sometimes we went for dinner and stuff. But then we did a kind of co-production in 2015 where we were filming a documentary series about our Tuscan retreats and you were doing one of your first big travel ones. So we joined the cruise and we shot here. And I think at the time, I wouldn't say you were in a bad place, but you know, you were single and didn't have a grandchild then. And you know, you were kind of, can I tell this story? We made a pact when Marilyn came and we said, when they stop for lunch, we're gone. Doesn't matter. You know what crews are like? They're like, just do one more shot. Could you just have your two of you walking into the sunset? And we said, absolutely not. You buggers can go for lunch. We are <laughs> off. And that's what we did. So one day we were filming in the morning and I had this big defender and they put microphones on us. Well, we're women. So we talk a lot and we forgot. So we had a 25 minute drive and we just forgot. And so we talked about sex life, lack of sex life. We talked about everything. <laughs> and when we arrived at this town and we got out smiling, the sound man looked like somebody had put him through the ringer. And he was like, I just didn't know people did things like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he was in shock. And then it wasn't much after that that you met our gorgeous Jim. That's right. 2015. So a couple of years later, I met Jim. Yeah. My husband of five years. I can't believe I'm saying that. I can't believe it either. It just feels like it's gone by so fast, Mayor. Like, I mean, there were a handful of your friends who knew about Jim and had met Jim before the general public knew about right, it. Right, right. When people sort of say, you know, where is Marilyn? You know, like, what's she like? And, you know, you get asked a lot when people know that you're friends with someone in, in your personal life as well. And I always say, you know, Marilyn is such a loyal friend and has such loyal friends that one of the miracles of your relationship with Jim was that you were able to have a private relationship that was kept secret for a really long time before you and Jim decided to reveal yourselves as a couple, as a solid couple. That's so true. And I think that's a real testament to who you keep in your circle and how you treat the people who are your friends, because you were so protected. But also, it's not just a normal relationship. I mean, it didn't just happen like two people in a bar meeting. I mean, this was the most extraordinary story. Oh, my God. It's the romantic story of all time. And part of it was when we got reconnected because we knew each other in grade nine and 10. And then he moved away. He called me in the early part of grade 11 and said, who's taking you to the junior prom? He had moved to Nashville, Tennessee from Pittsburgh. And he said, because I'd like to take you as just as friends. And I said, yeah, OK. I thought, yeah. I got the date down already. I don't have to worry about it. I know there's not going to be any drama because we're friends. And we go to the prom and it's great. I send him off to the airport and we write a little bit to one another. And then I take off for university. He's at Vanderbilt University. And we become estranged again because he's getting his medical degree and I'm trying to be a broadcaster. And it's not till like 42 years later that he reconnects with me. But when we reconnected, it was so special that we wanted to keep it to ourselves 
it was also long distance. He's in Seattle. I'm in Toronto. We wanted to keep it to ourselves to make sure that we were sure of each other. And then it came time to do the press release soon after we had a wedding. We actually took the honeymoon before the wedding. We went to Ireland yeah. for the Marilyn Dennis show. Yeah, I was there. I was on the honeymoon. <laughs> you were caught in McKenna. Well, you know, more than here. And we came back and got married at City Hall. And we had just a few people in the backyard who, who had known about this relationship because, again, we wanted to keep it really special. I did not invite my partner of 30-something years, Roger Ashby. He found out the next day and called me on the air and said, how come I wasn't invited on the air? And I go, well, it's Tuesday. It was at 2 o'clock at City Hall, and that's your nap time. And he goes, thank you so much. <laughs> I go, I go. He goes, and frankly, I don't really want to go to a wedding. I go, I know. My sisters didn't even know. Oh, my God. That's amazing. It was a very private thing and a very a very joyful thing. So we're very, uh, we're lucky. Let's take that back a little bit because this is my memory of you told me and you said that Jim was going to a conference or something in Chicago. Barely knew him. I mean, you hadn't seen him for 40 years. And you said, I think I'm going to go. And then I called you dreadful names. Oh, you can't do that. You don't know him. You know, you're going to be hacked <laughs> to death by some murderer, you know. And you said, well, I've got a bit of a backup plan in case he turned out to be some. Right. And I called you a few days later and you were breathless. And you said, it was amazing. I love him. It was amazing. Yeah, because I have a very good friend, Jim Karras. You might have met him when you did the Oprah show because he was one of the fitness guys on the Oprah show. And Tommy, you know Jim Karras. I know Jim, yeah. He, he, so he was three or four blocks away. Because I was staying at a hotel, the Thompson Hotel, and Jim's conference was way up there. I made sure that the conference and my where I was were together. But we had such a fun evening. Yeah. And then nothing happened the next morning. Nothing happened. The next morning yeah. we have breakfast. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Okay, yeah. we have breakfast. And then we go our separate ways. He goes and does the conference. I go home to Toronto. And then he calls me about a week later and says, hey. I'd like to pursue this. I go, I think I would too. And that's that's what happened. It's such a beautiful love story. And it's so, I can tell you that when I met Jim, I already knew a little bit about him because you told me. And on paper, he's quite intimidating. He's a doctor. He's ex-US military. He's handsome as hell. And you kind of think like, you know, he had a lot more going for him than I did. Let's just say that. And so when you meet him, the big surprise is that despite all of his achievements and his huge brain and the fact that he's literally a hero in medicine and the military, he is the most warm and generous and lovely and giving and wonderful person. Like yeah. I immediately, as soon as I met him, I knew that he was the one. I knew right away. What did you talk about? I mean, how many people get together after all those years? And the last time you saw him, you were, what, 18 or something? Uh, 16, 17. 16, 16. Wow. So you see somebody, you know, 40 years later. What did you talk about? Well, you're talking about how many times Miss Dennis has been married. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about Miss Dennis's schedule and what that looks like because she wants to let you know that this was not an easy schedule. Yes. You say to them, you know, when they say, do you like skiing? You go, no, because I'm not going to go skiing anymore. You know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. You, you talk about what your mutual interests are. And first of all, what happened to you after we went to the prom and all the things that he had been through, you know, 
He went to Bosnia for a year, going to University of Miami to get his medical degree, going to San Francisco during the AIDS crisis, all those things. Oh, yes. We've talked about that. And then we're talking about my trajectory, about being in Idaho, going to Calgary, being in Toronto. And then about what does a person who's in the medical field, what does that partner need to know, potential partner? And what do you need to know about what I do? You know, what are you comfortable with and how much do we share uh, publicly? And uh, he gets stopped in the airport now before I do. Oh, my gosh. I'm not surprised. He has his own fan club. It's, it's either that or he looks like Anderson Cooper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's so handsome. He has his own fan club and I'm the president. <laughs> <laughs> so he really um, But, you know, we're really lucky because we have two grown children. He has Maggie, who's in her early 30s, and I have Adam in his mid-30s. And um, the kids are well set up and we're not bringing up any kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not that complicated. Yeah. You, know, you have those discussions sometimes. Would it have been better if we met a little earlier? The answer is no. Not no. Me. No. You had to live those right. lives. I had yeah. to. And he had to too. Yeah. So it's, I feel for the, for the first time in my life for, you know, as long as I've been broadcasting since September 5th, 1976. Wow. Um, other than I've never had a man uh, in a relationship, uh, that sort of level, who's been as supportive as he has been. But I've, I've been raised by men in broadcasting. I keep saying that. I know some men, you know, have not been such great guys, except for one guy in Winnipeg. Everybody has been great and bringing up and supporting me when times were tough, when yes. uh, support needed to happen, when things were good. And then now I have him. And I'm very fortunate, for sure. And he was thrown into the spotlight, wasn't he? He's not a television person. And because I remember you, you were lucky you had a photo from the prom. Yes. Didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. We maybe will put that up. It was hilarious. Was that the 80s, 70s? No, 19, that was 1975. And that, by the way, I just want to say, because you're both in design, that was Vanessa's. <laughs> the curtains. Because we had the curtains. Because the curtains. Yeah. <laughs> we had to go to Vanessa because Vanessa's dad was going to drive all of us to the prom. So the yeah. pictures were taken in her uh, living room. And, okay. and I got to go, wow, those are some curtains you got there. Yeah. Well, I think I think 70s deco, yeah, 70s deco is probably the most terrifying. Yeah, the photo is definitely a period piece. Guys, what, like, she had, seriously, we have to start by this because it's memorable. Red yeah. carpeting her mother had. Yeah. Off pink curtains with red trim. And then the, yeah. the banding across. The balance. The, the, yeah, the balance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was literally like Carol Burnett would have had a field day. Carol Burnett and Bob Mackie would have had a field day with those curtains. It would have been couture, curtain couture. Yes, for sure. See, yeah. I, I was thinking, I wasn't looking at the decor at all. I was looking at Marilyn's hair. <laughs> it's like <laughs> 1975. <laughs> this is about it. This is the same length, same hair. Well, you did not notice about that picture was I had this cute little smocked dress little puppy sleeves that's probably in right now and little flowers i think it was a uh, back in the day there were prom stores you had to go to wedding stores yes really bridesmaids dresses yeah. no like you couldn't get a long dress and if you did get a long dress they were kind of mumsy so anyway got this dress but when you have smocking it really flattens out your already flat breath <laughs> well, my mother 16 year old boobs <laughs> Smocking is like a sports bra. It squishes the girls. Squishes the girls. So yes. my mother, I go, oh no, because I hardly had anything anyway. 
And my mom <laughs> said, don't you worry about it. She went into my dad's sock drawer. Oh, my. An athletic socks. You know, the color of the tubes that was at the top? She made yes. sure that they were hidden, and she put them in. She stuffed them in. Because <laughs> now you got boots. You are actually kidding me. This nope. can't be real. It's real. You had a stuffed bra. So when Jim leaned in to kiss me prom night in the kitchen, because he's standing at our house, I thought he might go in for the boobs. He was we going to go I mean, they would have been rock hard. Rock hard. <laughs> and a sock sticking out. That would be funny. I said, no, no, no kisses. We're just friends. So I never oh anyway, so you were you were a good girl. You were a good girl. Yeah, anyway. That is amazing. And I've actually never heard that story, surprisingly. Well, a few years ago, I was on the show and I'd just come back from a really fabulous holiday in the sunshine. And I looked really good. I had a great tan, but I had a huge cleavage. And the show was live. I don't know if you remember this, Marilyn. And you said, wow, you look great. And woo. And because you know, I had my boobs sticking up. There was something about your show that makes people act just as they are. Yes, very comfortable. Just as they are. I mean, you forget the cameras, you forget all that. You're not nervous because you're, you're a genius at that. And as if we were sitting in your living room and they're, they're filming this stuff and I'm doing some rubbishy thing about cushions or something. And I said, no, 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 these are called chicken fillets. And I pulled one out. Hot <laughs> lies, you remember? And, I'm, yeah, and, you, yeah. and you forgot and you were like, we, I think they just come in, in fashion, and you was like, oh, what is that? I said, well, it's like a fillet. And you see the, the, the floor manager going, what? What we are like, you know? Like, what? Yeah. You know? And I'm sure, oh, no, no, Marilyn, what you do is you see, you, you buy them like this, and then you sit, you must, yeah, you must leave them in the kitchen because somebody may end up, you know, frying them. You stick them in here, and wow. there you got the <laughs> And then it ended up airing just like that on television, so it was great. It was as it, as is. Even though we take the show, we wanted it to be live. So unless it was a massive problem, like a technical problem, then we would read you. And I think maybe we stopped down twice. I loved live. And everyone who is a real TV person loves live better than anything else. There's Because it's the adrenaline. There's isn't nothing it? like the energy. There's nothing like the adrenaline. But a lot of people, I don't think, realize that the turnaround that you had to do. So like radio broadcasting Maryland, as Debbie mentioned earlier, is very different looking than television Maryland. It's a transformation that happens. There's a bunch of people they throw at you. You've got to get a different outfit on. The hair gets done. The face gets done. It's a process, but it has to happen in a short period of time. You're going off the air on radio and then on the air live on TV, live to live with this chaotic scene in between. And a lot of people who watch you don't know that that is what used to happen. That used to happen throughout the whole time on City Line, except the difference was it doesn't matter, you know, where you live. It's like you live in one neighborhood and you've got that friend that lives far away. So yeah. I finish, wrap up the show at Chum, drive down to City TV. Because Chum was up at Young and St. Clair at that time. Correct. 1331 Young Street, Young and St. Clair. Finished at nine. My last traffic report was 5-2. Get in the car. Don't talk to anybody in the hallway. Go. And no time. go down into 299 Queen Street. Yeah. And sometimes I didn't make it. Did you have to shift how you spoke and shift your, your thoughts from, you know, the energy of a live radio show to the energy of a live television show? It's very different. It dawned on me that if I didn't have the guys that I worked with, the chum, I wouldn't have lasted as long as they did on television. 
because yeah. they, we were always laughing. It was always yeah. fun. And they would send me on my way. And I was always laughing when I did the morning show back in the day. I was always laughing by 5.35. So that kind of, as Roger used to say to me, are we your warm-up show? And I went, I think you are. <laughs> so then I'd get in the car and I would drive down as quickly as I could without getting a ticket. And I had that adrenaline going, as you mentioned, Debbie. And then it was quick hair and makeup. And then it was the same kind of feeling, you know, when you got into city, there's, you could hear the people applauding. You knew what the show was going to be about that day, kind of loose, like a radio show. You knew yeah. where the players are. You knew where the blocking was. You just didn't know where it was going to go. You had a little bit of a script, but it was enough that, you know, as we all know, that you have to be a good listener. So if it decides to go this way, whether the producer likes it or not, you're going to go that way to make it interesting for the people at all. You have to. And so that was very much live to live. And then my first probably two years, maybe three years of the Marilyn Dennis show, it was taped until then we introduced the women of the social. And because of the production schedule, they said, we're going to retake the show as live to tape. I didn't like that at first, but then it gave me a little bit more time and also, we were able to do bigger production pieces, right? Yes. I mean, you didn't have two and a half minutes at a commercial break to just, okay, you got to put up this thing. And Debbie's got all this stuff from Giant. We've got that in here. Yeah, so much easier for the crew yeah, to be sure. able to have that extra time sure. to, to reset. My thing is yeah. don't wait too long to do it because it's hard for me to get back up again. Exactly. And you're the person who was, who was charged with setting the tone. Yeah. But I want to tell a quick story about like somebody asked me once, were you ever nervous when it was live? And I said, no, except that two times that I was on your show yeah. and we were about to go live. And it might have been because it was like a post Oscars show or like something that had necessitated a live broadcast. That was that was the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. When it was like 30 seconds to go. Kathy Adetui came up to me and it only happened two times and said, you're going to go out and introduce the show. And those are the only times I actually shit my pants. <laughs> and then both times you swept in doing up the cuffs of your yeah. blouse yeah. and somebody was like with a comb in the back of your hair and you went straight out there and nobody would have ever known yeah. that it was that down to the wire. And then of course you go out and the energy is even more blasting out of the top of the volcano because- it's so exciting. It's so exciting. But the other thing is, you're only as competent as the crew that you work with and the production yeah. staff that you work with and the guests that you have. I could say to both of you very easily, as I could with some of our guest experts, as Kathy, our floor director, would say, or Cam, she's not going to make it in time. I always did. I don't know how it did. Oh, every time you did. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, at that last minute, uh, you know that you got confidence to go. You know, it's like Judy Garland, my kids, we're going to put on the show in the barn. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and we all do because we're all hands. We all, yes. all run the occasion. I mean, that's what- I was ready. I had actually in my head already come up with the line that I was going to lead with, which was, Marilyn is still upstairs fastening her bra. It's a tricky one, <laughs> but she'll be down in a second. And in the meantime, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen today on the show. Like I was, I, w I actually was ready. But I had maybe I might have sharded. But you know what? Like, you 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 are very good with your one-liners. And on the last show, oh my we, God. we did. It was Andrew Pike yourself and Peter. You had a great yeah. And that was what I said. Welcome to Queer Eye for the Goodbye. Oh, 
that's a good one. That's a good one. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. This episode sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Tommy Smythe here. Thank God I have a few minutes to myself without my co-host. <laughs> I mean, you've been there. You've been overwhelmed before too. I think most people carry around some kind of stress. And here at the Trust Me Pod, it's Debbie, did you put your devices on Do Not Disturb? Debbie, do you have your microphone? <laughs> and when we have a guest, I just hope to get in one little question. Listen, sometimes it's hard to keep all your feelings all bottled up because you know what happens when you do. It bubbles over, you lose your cool, and maybe you take it out on someone you love. Obviously, I love Debbie. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible. Whether you're in Toronto or Tuscany, BetterHelp will fit your schedule. Get it off your chest. Visit betterhelp.com slash decorator to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash decorator. A big part of design and decoration for us, and everyone really, is putting your memories on display. When my children went away to camp, it was the first time we'd kind of not been together, and they both wrote me letters, and they were probably eight and nine years old, and they are the funniest letters, and I framed them, put them up on the wall, and I see them every day, and sometimes if I feel a bit down, I just read those letters, mostly asking me for more candy, but I think framing a letter is a wonderful thing. That is why we love the idea of FrameBridge. They honestly make it so easy to get anything framed, and they're really, truly affordable. It's easy to do in person at one of their 20 FrameBridge retail stores, and... It's so easy to order online at FrameBridge.com. You just upload a photo for them to print. Picking the frame was really easy, but also really hard because there were so many options. I went for Walnut, which is a solid Walnut frame, but I think next time I'll go for Florence and they'll mail it to you using their free, secure, prepaid packaging service. FrameBridge has been trusted to frame millions of our memories. Visit FrameBridge.com or a local FrameBridge store. You can custom frame just about anything. Again, that's FrameBridge.com. There was also the, all the special shows, and, and the one that everybody always wanted to do was the Halloween special, which you loved, right? You absolutely loved that. Did not love. Did not love. Did not love. <laughs> you didn't. I thought you loved it. That was for John Simpson. You lied to me then because you said you've got to do it because I love it. I was lying. No, that was John. Because probably John Simpson was my producer. John, my producer, John Simpson, is uh, absolutely obsessed with Halloween. Yes. So by August, we already know what we're going to dress as. And oh, yeah. some of those costumes were extremely difficult. And I had... I'm not a big Halloween person, but you have to when you work with producer John Simpson. And they are highly rated shows. So I, I got that kind of a thing. I got that connection. And then eventually, Deb, I started liking them because I thought, okay, because everyone was having so much fun. So much fun. But they also threw stuff at you. So you remember, I was there one, and I think it was a Tinkerbell thing. And just as we went on, they gave me a pony. So oh, I'm <laughs> like, what? 
And I'm stuck in that bloody hallway with a little pony who then stood on all my feet and then went backwards oh towards the, the back of the studio, to the back of the thing. And I'm left alone because everybody else had gone into the studio. That is incredible. I think Rodney was dressed as Tinkerbell or something. Yes. And I'm dragging a four foot two pony <laughs> through the studio. And then he pooed everywhere, all over the thing. And the security guards, I'm like, well, do I clean it up or do you clean it up? And he's like, I don't know. It's not my job. <laughs> and it was like pony poo everywhere. And then you drag this. Oh, it was. And then if anybody had a camera upstairs with all Peter's, all the outfits we had to wear. Yeah. That was oh, no. so funny. Every season was something different. And we had as many people as we could to participate in it. it you know what it was? It's, I think it's the production getting into it and all the planning. But the day of, it's a blast. And that night, like I don't book anything the next day. I am exhausted oh, yeah. i can't even imagine how how um how exhausted the crew was because it took them away i was always worried about we 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 were so concentrated on that show that other shows would suffer for it right you know other yeah. shows leading up to it and after would suffer for it so we were very mindful of that i mean we learned the hard way the first couple of years and then then we got it it could burn you out if you're not careful it's spectacular that's what they were. It was a spooktacular. Well, they were. I will tell you, John Simpson asked me to be on the Halloween show probably every single, actually every single year up until I guess it was two or three years ago, he asked and I wanted something. So I said to him, I will do your Halloween show if you let me do this other thing that I wanted to do. And now I forget what it was. But that was the only time I did it. And I was the mirror, mirror for your Snow White. Right. I was the evil witch. And I had this crazy face of makeup on. And then they put me in a bodysuit in a spandex leotard that was, if it weren't black, it would have been obscene. And so I told them that you have to give me a cape or a robe or something because it was- A fig leaf. Oh, it was, I mean, it would have taken two fig leaves. That's not the first time that you've been in a leotard type outfit because when we worked out with the Steeler, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, he put a very he put the terrible towel which you wave at the game, the spandex, and you you put it over your your privates. I had to, I had to because it was obscene. It was obscene. All good memories from Halloween for sure. Oh yeah, incredible, incredible, and our outtakes from the excursions that we would do on Halloween. Like John kept sending us to haunted houses. And I am not good in those. You know me. I'm very high strung as it is. And then you put me into an environment where people are jump scaring you and, and leaping out of pianos and coffins at you. I was the scream queen of the Marilyn Dennis show. You were. And I think John, I hope he's listening to this. I think John has a macabre thing where he actually gets a thrill oh, yeah. out of terrifying Tommy and terrifying and making us all the stuff. Because I shot with him in London for Christmas and we went to the ice the ice. Thing, you know, the big Christmas fair. And there was an ice house. And I said, John, we don't really have to do it. He says, yeah, yeah, we're doing it. So we go in and they had an ice bar. So they had glasses made out of ice <laughs> with vodka in. I said, okay, I'll do that one. And then my lips stuck to it. And John couldn't get the ice glass, a, a glass made of a block of ice off my lip and pulled it. And he's, I said, you're supposed to put warm water on. <laughs> so half my lip was removed. So then I said, well, I think I'm bleeding. Maybe I should sit down. He said, no, no, no. Now we need to go on the slide. And it was an ice slide. And for some reason, I had bare legs. Don't ask me why I had bare legs. And 
Oh, I know. I know. I had pants on and they came off as I went down the slide. So my bottom stuck to the ice and I could not get off. Luckily, he had learned his lesson and he went and got some help and got a, a thing of boiling, a kettle of boiling water and poured it down the slide. So then I had third degree burns. And it was just like, because he likes, he's, he knows what shot he wants to get. That's right. He's macabre. He's macabre, John. I hope you're listening to this. I have to tell you, I always liked it when he came on shoots with us because he would push you just that much further. Yeah. Now, you did a lot of excursions, uh, like abroad. So you've, New Zealand? I warned Mary Burke, be very careful with that man because you don't know what he's going to do to you and what he's going to ask you anyway. Oh, she's not ready. <laughs> she, there's no way she's ready for what's coming. You must have so many stories. Though. You came to Tuscany. You went to Ireland. You went to New yes. Zealand. Yeah, America, Kelowna, Idaho, Vancouver. We wanted the Rocky Mountaineer. Oh, you went on the train. You did the train, right? Yes. Fabulous. That was beautiful. I'd do that again. That's so beautiful. I actually think what a lot of your viewers, and, and I want to say this to our listeners right now, may not realize is that that was your actual holiday. Yeah. That you, you got a vacation from your chum radio job. And it was a set vacation that occurred at a set time of year, very pre-scheduled and negotiated. Yeah. And you actually so wonderfully chose to use that time to go on a trip with friends and to share that vacation time with your audience, which I think is like above and beyond. We always had a hell of a good time. We all did. On camera and off. We did because sometimes the I mean, memories come up on my phone as they do. And I think, yeah, and you text them to yeah, us. Yeah, I do. And they go, that was so long ago, but that was so much fun. I remember getting really early in Tuscany. Yeah. You're wonderful. Sonny's a great photographer. Said, I know I take some pictures of you. He had this big sheet all set up. And I said, my hair is going to be curly. And I said, just want a cup of coffee. He took such great shots. And one, I think that's one of my favorite photos of you. Me too. It was, um, used as, I think, uh, season six or seven as, a, as the photo shoot. Yeah. I mean, those are memories that I have just talking and being there and going, get your picture taken at Tuscany. What is this? This is great. So all good memories. Yeah, that was great. But we also, as I said earlier, we, we had to, um, we, we told the crew we would not, because it was your holiday, we wanted the afternoon off. So one day I took you, <laughs> I took you to this tiny medieval wall village, like tiny, you know, built for donkeys, not for cars. And there was this restaurant with a beautiful terrace looking over the valley. And we were had lunch and then bit by bit, everybody, we were talking so much. Everybody else on the terrace left. And they're just the two of us. And there was this black cloud that we didn't really notice. But finally, the waiter said, I, I really do think you need to come inside. Well, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. And then suddenly, you know, the heavens opened up. So we ran inside. And as we ran into the restaurant, 20 Italian bikers, cyclists, ran in with thighs like <laughs> these bulging thighs. And the waiter said, I'm so sorry. And the, the the road outside turned into a river. You could not leave. The cars were floating. And so we sat there drinking lemoncello for about four hours with 20 cyclists. And when we got out, you know, Hans was like, oh, my God, are you guys? We said, we're fine. We're fine. You know, best, best afternoon of our lives. That's really great. <laughs> really oh. Just those moments, not caught on tape, but caught on, uh, on the phone. That road was like a river. That was. I remember. One of you, one of the two of you sent me a video of it. Yes. 
at the time. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, that looks so scary and so fun. So fun, so fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was. That was a great trip. So what was your favorite? Do you have a favorite show? Something that was like, you know, people ask me about all the time, what's your favorite show or what did you do on the Chum Warrior show today and whatever. Um, One of my favorite shows is hard because there's so many different kind of categories. But the reveal of having a granddaughter on her way Uh was pretty was pretty spectacular. Um, Anytime my son's on the show, that was great but also having moments with certain people on the air. Like if you dial it back, Kenny Rogers was on, uh, I interviewed him because he had just released his autobiography. We talked about everything, including plastic surgery that, you know, he, mm-hmm. he said that he shouldn't have done, but you know, that's, that's how honest Kenny is. Anyway, we're ready to move on to the next segment. I've got Christine Cushing coming up next. And he said, do I have to go? I go, no. Do you want to stay? He goes, yeah. And he had a bad knee, so they set him up in front of Christine and I so that he could watch the show, and I would come over and feed him some food. Say, Kenny, what do you think of that? That's that. That's, that, that's the kind of thing. Spontaneous and wonderful. And I know you're going to ask me this question, so I'm going to tell you this right now. I said, what question am I going to ask you? She said, who are the best kissers on, on the big screen with me? Okay. And she <laughs> gave me the list. She went like this. I got the opportunity to interview Sally Field twice. Um, yeah. One was when she was playing um, Mary Todd Lincoln in the Spielberg movie, yeah. and she was very serious about that. And we had a great talk about. She's a very serious actor, and then she came back with her autobiography. And we went through all all sorts of stuff. Not an easy childhood, but she was very forthcoming. As was Jane Fonda. Jane was amazing, and and I actually had the privilege of following you and Jane to the X Hotel for a live interview for I think it was for L'Oreal. Yes. Um, that you hosted with Jane, and she was so funny. Like, I mean, off television, she can be quite risque. Like, do you remember that she had said, I don't know if you remember this, but you, you said to her something about, like, haven't you just recently had knee surgery or something? She said, yes, I've had both knees done, but I have a new boyfriend. And you ladies know how important getting on your knees is when you have a new boyfriend. Oh like, what did she just say? She's like 78 years old at the time. That's right. And she said, oh. and she said, it's okay to say that. I said, well, we're not on television. So you say what? Exactly. I know. And she's incredible. She's incredible. And just having those moments. And then, you know, like those are stars and having beautiful music moments. Um, you know, one of the things I will say is Alan Frew from Glass Tiger. And I mm. became friends over the pandemic. We, we kind of carved out a relationship. I think a lot of people had, some people fell off, you know, the planet a little bit with some people. Yeah, and then uh, Al and I became friends, and then he got to sing it on the last show. That's massive talent. Yeah, and Roger and I are going to induct Glass Tiger into the Rock of Fame coming up at the end of the month. Oh my gosh, fantastic! At the end of September. So these kind of connections that you made, and also with the show, both City Line and with this show, I loved meeting new people, but I loved learning so much. Yeah, that's what was really important. You learn different kind of things on radio. You're in a room for three hours and you're talking about things, but you're not experiencing them as much as I did one-on-one, whether it be cooking or decorating or physical fitness. Or it, it was just a different kind of format. But like all good things, I had to call the ball because it was getting to be too much. Yeah. And I, and I remember having a conversation with you off camera, like just in our private lives years ago and you said to me, I think I asked you, like, so how much longer for the TV thing? And I remember you saying to me, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you this much for sure. 
it'll be on my terms and when I decide. And so you definitely lived up to that. And all of us who know you really well knew that this was how it was going to end. We just didn't know when. And when the time came, we were all just so grateful, I think, for the experiences. But speaking of the experts, I wanted to ask you, because I've never asked you this before. Imagine that you're not doing what you're doing, but you do have all of the knowledge of all of these people that you've worked with as guest experts on the show. If you could pick a career that you don't do, like not this career, but from one of the, the expert categories, which one would it be? What job would you do? Technology, fashion, cooking, design, what would it be? Therapy. Ah. Ooh. That's it. Wow. Did you ever nail that? You'd be amazing at that. You've been my therapist. <laughs> well, you know what? I think, no. I, Joe Rachel, I've learned so much from Joe Rich and other people that have been on that show. And we, we, Joe and I have talked about it before. And I go, you know, that uh, there's a passion that I have for that, trying to figure out why people do what they do or why we do what we do and all all that craziness of your curiosity, curiosity is thing, yeah. the thing that fueled this incredible, remarkable career. I think Joe's been a great friend for a very long time and also a therapist, my therapist. Like that sort of is a friendship. But I said, I think I need to see you because I need some guidance on, on some things. And then that, now they've traded the lunches and we have a great shared ideas. I love that because when you figure it out, you're so equipped to carry on to the next thing. And you know there's bad and good stuff that happens in your life, and you just want to have the tools to be able to handle it. And so that would be the one I would say. I know you thought cooking, right? Uh, I did no. not think cooking. <laughs> you said one word to me, which I thought was brilliant, because we all kind of knew what was going on. And you, I said, how are you feeling? And she said, I've asked for one thing, one thing, and one thing only, an elegant out. And it was. It was. It was fun, but it was it was seamless. It was beautiful. It was caring. It was emotional. Yes. But it was elegant. And I think that was a lovely way. Thank you. I called it the elegant exit. And the exit was to be respectful to everyone who contributed on the show, especially our special experts, as you two are. And also to be respectful of the audience, uh, to say those surprises that come my way will be your surprises too. And I will say that people say, do you miss doing the show? I miss the people. I miss, oh, Deb's coming in. So we're going to this. Tommy's coming in or we're going to go on a trip. I, I miss that. But uh, the decision is, um, and I said to your producer, Sarah, I don't know how I had time to do I a TV show because the days are filled. If you ask me, what are you doing? I don't really know. But all of a sudden, it's like yeah. three o'clock. And if I'm not picking up my granddaughter from school, which I do every other week, I'm doing something else. And I feel more rested that getting up at three o'clock in the morning is for chum is not such a major issue. I'm not like dreading, oh my gosh, it's going to be a long day. Never dreaded the job, just dreaded the hours put in. Long and day. And there's a long day and noticing the difference in my health. I mean, nothing is wrong, but you know, I'm 65. I want to take care of yep. what I got and maintain what I got rather than go down to a place where I can't get back up. So Guys, I have to go because I have a ratings meeting. I think that this is a very good extra for us, though, because you have never looked better. You've never been better. Thank you. We love you so much. Thank you for doing this um, and sharing. I'm going to see you very soon. You're coming to stay with me. And I am not taking, because last time Marilyn came, you've been a few times here. Um, we went hot air ballooning. That was our wedding gift. And it was the most remarkable gift ever. 
just so you know, we didn't go in the balloon. So we went overland underneath and Marilyn went off track. So I had to go through hedges, oh over fields. I mean, <laughs> it was bizarre. She couldn't land. And then they went back up again. And it was like, it was the crazy thing. You know, when we landed there, Deb, when we landed, the guy said he was great. We landed, Toddy, on our side. <laughs> I would have bought a ticket to that. Oh my gosh, it was so love much fun. You. I love you both so much. I, I'm so happy about your podcast. And um, I know that there's more adventures ahead for you two. And I know that we'll see each other Absolutely. together at several for Jenna. We will. We love you, Marilyn. And whatever you do next, we will all embrace it. Happy to. Thank you, my loves. So to keep up with the adventures of Marilyn Dennis, we've got her links in the show notes. And of course, make sure you're following along at the Trust Me Pod on Instagram because we've got videos so you can see our gorgeous faces there. So it's goodbye from me and goodbye from him. Yeah, that's me. And goodbye from her. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Sarah Burke, and I host the Women in Media podcast, where I'm exploring the challenges women face in the media spotlight and celebrating our triumphs. My guests come from radio, TV, news and sports, and we'll cover topics like leadership, diversity, stereotypes, and more. Most of all, I'm looking to build a community through a space where we can discuss anything. The Women in Media podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womeninmedia.ca. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.